0: Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with uh, sincerity and masters, treat your, your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he, who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and there is no favorite, favoritism with him. Oh,
1: thanks, uh, Nina.
0: And not, sorry, I, was, I, for, I will hand over to you, Jobin.
1: Yep, yep. thank you very much for reading that. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, And so here here we are, the last chapter of uh, Ephesians. Um, And today we're going to look at uh, three things from this part of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. First, we'll look at uh, what he writes for children and parents. And then we're going to look at Slaves and masters, and uh, how and that how it relates to uh, this age, uh, our day and day, day and time. Um, and then this phrase here called slaves of Christ. It occurs all over New Testament, and the apostles called themselves. Early Christians called themselves slaves of Christ, and we're going to look into that a bit. So a short recap of, of what we have been doing over the past few months here. Um, if I can summarize this, uh, the book of the letter, letter to the Ephesians, uh, the first three chapters, uh, Paul has been telling us, um, God has made us alive, he has and he has done that in Christ, and if there's one verse that can Capture this. I think it is this one, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. Right? Paul says, But God being rich in mercy, um, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So this is a gift of to God, totally. Uh, and everything, we don't have any role in this, being saved. It's God who brought us from death to life. And now that we have life, he's encouraging, uh, encouraging us to live uh, in this freedom that we have now. He's encouraging us to walk in Christ. And that that is what we have been looking from chapter 4 onwards. Uh, our life in church. And last week, we started looking at our our life in, in the family. Where... Um, Ola and Yvonne, they shared with us from the passage looking at husbands and wife. But before jumping into that, uh, a bit of uh, context here. What we have been reading here the last week and here uh, is called the household codes. And it was not uncommon in the ancient world to have these rules like a guidebook for the head of the household, almost always a male And there would be rules on how to manage the household, how the wife should behave, or the children's slaves. In fact, anyone who is below the household, who is lesser than the head of the household, um, women, children, slaves, they were all considered less. For example, Aristotle had something like this going. Um, He had a list of household codes around 400 years before Paul. Paul comes into uh, in, in the New Testament, he, he's, he tra- he's transformed by the grace of God. He sees the world in a new light. And when he writes to the church in Ephesus, he takes those household codes and then he addresses everyone in the church, everyone in the family. So it's not just for the wives, it's for the husbands also, as we saw last week, for children, and parents, and slaves, and masters. In our world, it's not uncommon for fingers to be pointed at Paul um, or the Bible and say women are not treated equally with men. Stories in the Bible can sound so, but reading from the 21st century here, we have we reading it backwards and it's easy to forget that these stories took place in history in a time when sections that were weaker were not treated well in the society things are very different today but back then uh it was a different story in such a context paul and the epistles catching a glimpse of the new creation in jesus christ they look all the way back to god's creation in the first pages of the bible where god created male and female in the image of god we get our value identity from because We are created in the image of God. And then he tells the husbands, Love your wife as yourself, the same way Jesus gave himself and loved the church. To the parents, he uh, tells, Be gentle, as we read to the masters. He's telling them, Be kind to your slaves. This was unheard of then. This was revolutionary, as Ola and Johan told us last week. And they were inspired by the Lord Jesus Christ, um, who himself said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. So as we begin this section on in Ephesians on household codes, this is how Paul begins. He, he tells us, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how we are transformed by hearing that we are alive in Christ and he encourages us to live so. So we go in the first section we're going to look at here, children and parents, Paul quotes from the Old Testament here, from what we all know as the Ten Commandments, and he addresses the children, telling them to obey their parents, And he quotes from the 10th commandment saying, "Honor your father and mother," which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And to the parents, here the word is father, fathers, but in Greek when it's in plural, it usually ref- refers to both the parents. Yeah. So to the parents, he tells uh, he tells them, "Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction." Of the Lord. So, looking at this passage, take a moment uh, to look at the, 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 these uh, phrases here, highlighted here. Obey your parents in the Lord, and at the end, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Why does Paul encourage us to train children in the Lord? Why the instruction of the Lord? Why train them to obey? As parents, we all want our children to become good human beings, after all. But being alive in Christ, we have this new experience of creation, new creation in Jesus. We have an eternal perspective here. During our short life on earth. And uh, we want our kids, our children to experience the same thing we are experiencing. the Life with God. The life of God. Knowing Jesus as we have known Jesus. And this we do in the same way Jesus has been to us. By being gentle and kind. By being loving and patient like Jesus. Well, I'm preaching to myself. It's not easy. Uh, One of the first things Anania learned uh, when she she learned to speak is to say no in three languages. Uh, But we trust in the grace of God. Uh, We take one day at a time and we trust that the Lord will give us grace uh, to train his children. But taking a step back, uh, if you look at the church, consider the church to be a family of many families. And when we were looking at um, um, chapter 4, where we saw that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to the church, the purpose he gave these gifts and structures and churches so that each one of us could grow mature into the fullness of Christ. It goes on to say that so that every one of us in every way would grow into Christ, who is the head. But it's something similar happening within the family here, the small family. That responsibility is giving, given to us parents so that the children grow up to know and treasure Christ, who is our life and light, who gives us purpose to life. And this we do by introducing them to Jesus, the scriptures, by but depending on him and his grace. Going back to the note that the church is a bigger family, a family of families. In a church, it's not just the parents who contribute to the ch- child's life. Others in the church, those who are not married or young couples, they also have important, important roles. They also can contribute in ways, small, big, to a child's walk with Christ. And the, the church encouraged that, that we all contribute to a child's walk with Christ. In the Western civilization we live here today, it's not uncommon to call religious education indoctrination, especially here in Scandinavian countries. Um, we pause for a while and look at it, we have got a gem of that's of, uh, so valuable to us. It's such a treasure for us. It's the good news. This has changed our life, lives. It's done good for us. And why wouldn't we share it with our children? We want the same goodness for our children, that they would live to the fullness that God has for them jesus said i came that they may have life that they may have it abundantly and that's why we train them in the instruction of the lord in the training of the lord and that's why we train them to obey us parents in the lord going to the next section here on slaves and masters It's not completely applicable to us today, but it's good to know what, what's, what, what um, Paul is addressing here and to draw, uh, draw lessons for us here today. Well, to give a bit of background here, slaves in the Roman world, they it, it was not the same as what we know from the recent history where We know about the slave trade, race-based slave trade and all which was put an end by uh, the civil war in the US and and by legislation in the UK. In in the Greek or Roman world, slaves were captured after war or they were bought in a slave market or you could have been born in slavery and they were part of the household and a big and powerful rich household could have many slaves And they could have many roles in the family. They could be taking care of the household work, or they could be taking care of the children, educating them, or be involved in the family business activities, or they could be doctors or accountants, depending on the training, when they were captured, and so on. To to, uh, put Paul's perspective right here, Paul was not for slavery elsewhere. In his other letters, he recommends that Slaves get their freedom if they can. But here he is speaking into this situation where people found themselves as slaves, but then they found uh, they put their trust in Jesus, and their faith in Christ for their salvation. And how do they now live in Christ? That's what we're going to look here. And I think one of the important takeaways from here for us um, is how. Um, we in our workplaces, um, how do we live in our workplaces, having known the grace of our Lord Jesus? So here, Paul encourages the slaves to be sincere, to save or to serve wholeheartedly as if they were serving the Lord. So um, we saw in Ephesians 4, when Nina was sharing, Paul encourages us to do honest work so that we have something to share with anyone in need. And here we have more uh, guidelines, if I say, uh, to conduct ourselves at work with sincerity. And how do we navigate hierarchies in the society and the workplace? Sweden is known to have a flatter hierarchy, but still we have some form of hierarchy. Most of us report to someone someone, and some of us may have people reporting to us, Whatever the case may be, we are called to be sincere work and sincerity, serve wholeheartedly as, as if we are serving the Lord with a good will. Because we are God's workmanship, as we saw in chapter two here in Ephesians. And we were created by God for good works. And it's God, it's, it, we have been prepared for God, um, the good works and it's it's god's grace that we get to live this life and whatever we are interested with you know different phases of life whether in school or university or at workplace or being a parent at home it all comes from the lord it's a gift of god and we do all this ultimately to serve him um josh i think it reminded us in the first chapter when we we're looking at, at um looking at um, the prayer uh we 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 saw we, we saw that we tend to divide our life into sacred and secular but it it's a modern heresy that we divide our lives into sacred and secular all of our life is secular we serve our lord whatever we do whether it be at work or family or, or on sunday at church Having this in mind, how do we serve the Lord in our workplaces? How do we walk in the light? A few weeks ago, or was it last month, uh, when we, we were doing these, um, the interest group on Ephesians Deepa, Josh shared an article by David Campbell here with us. Uh, he's a part of New Founders family in Canada. And he, in his article, he wrote that as Christians, we should always speak the truth and this was his point if we don't speak the truth and if people don't trust us to speak the truth or consider us sincere why should they care about the good news we have or why should they trust the Jesus we believe in and as children of God we are called to speak the truth in love to walk in the light Now, as children of God, as people who know God, what is it that motivates us to serve our Lord? Why do we do this? And Paul has reason for that. And he sees himself and the believers as slaves of Christ. And he calls us to do the will of God from our heart. And he tells, them, tells that to the slaves, but to the masters, he, uh, he says something similar. He tells them, you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. So in a way, he's saying to, to the masters, you are also a slave, and you have a master in heaven. So no matter if you're a slave or a master, we are slaves of Christ. Uh, I remember this, uh, we we lived in in the U.S. for a while and our American friends tried to introduce us to some of the American games, baseball, ice hockey, basketball, and around around that time, Stephen Curry, a basketball player, he won the NBA MVP award, most valuable player award, and in his acceptance speech. He started off by saying he thanks God for for all the gifts of all the talents he has. and That's why he's playing well and so on. And then he says he finds himself a humble servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I heard it, it sounded so strange to my ears. It's so strange to call yourself someone's servant, especially in a world where we value freedom and autonomy and to do that in a public sphere he was publicly saying that he's a servant of the lord jesus christ would we do that um, before we uh, go into that uh, uh, let's look at what or uh, uh, who are slavers or in the greek or roman world what is a slave? A slave was considered a thing to be possessed. It's not considered to be a human being. So uh, it was like a thing to be sold or bought, you know, like a possession to ha- to be had. And this is a word we, found, we find all over the New Testament. Um, remember Jesus' parable on, on the talents, uh, he calls the slaves. Um, and gives them 10, five, one talent. Um, but in most, of, we, most of us would have grown up hearing the word servant, but it was translated as servant for historical reasons. The real word over there is slave, like the centurion story coming to Jesus for healing for his slave. There's a difference between ser- a servant and a slave. A slave is considered to be a property, an object owned by the master The slave is treated like a property, uh, uh, like a thing. The slave doesn't have any say, um, an option. He just has to obey whatever the master says. But the servant can choose whether to obey or whether to work for a master or not. And the experience of a slave would totally depend on 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 their on, on their master if the master was cruel their life would be miserable yeah, we see this in history but if they had a good master it was an honor to be in his household the master would take good care of his slaves and and many times they would be held in high esteem in the in the society In the biblical story, the narrative, Bible Bible reminds us, we are always slave. The only question is to whom. Throughout the Bible, we see uh, we as fallen human beings, we are slaves of sin. So when Jesus says, or when Jesus says, anyone who sins is a slave of sin. Or when Paul talks about being slaves of sin in Romans. People who knew, or who, who, who were living in, in that day and age, who were hearing Jesus say this, Paul say this, they knew what it meant to have bad masters. Like the Israelites, they were in Egypt. They were under a cruel master, the Pharaoh. They were slaves in Babylon. They were taken as exiles. So to have sin as your master, to be a slave of sin, it meant to be under a cruel master. It meant to have, a, have an incurable disease that destroys your life. It meant that you were enslaved to guilty conscience, poison thoughts, but then Jesus came to save us from all that. Early in Ephesians, in chapter 2, we, this is what we read. Um, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work um, in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Shows us how we were slaves to sin but then God intervened. He gave us freedom. But God, being rich in mercy, being the great, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so, having received this freedom from Jesus. Now, we call ourselves slaves of Christ because we belong to our master, Jesus Christ. And we were bought at a great price, the precious blood of Jesus, who was blameless, who was innocent, but he gave himself for us. And so, having tasted the goodness and kindness of God, we make it our ambition, to obey our master, our God, to obey his will. And that's why the early Christians called themselves slaves of Christ. They were demanded with all their life. Most of them, most of their persons it with their lives. Most of them paid with their lives. They were persecuted and still chose to remain slaves of Christ. in contemporary christianity we we have a domesticated view of god as roger um, mentioned when he was sharing from chapter two Uh, we when i when i was not mature when i was growing up i view of god or jesus where i treated him as a personal assistant or a genie you know to do my will uh, to get my things in order, to get my wishes fulfilled, and so on. But the God whom we serve, he is the creator and sustainer of everything. He is the Lord of life. And he is the kind and gentle master. We, we are encouraged to have this great view of God from these passages, and and that's why we commit ourselves as slaves of christ we seek to follow the footsteps of christ where we want to serve others around us and that's why paul starts this passage saying as slaves of christ let's submit to one another um let's uh, in, in reverence of christ let's submit to one another and if we are consider ourselves servants then we are ready to pray to serve others, to forgive others as Christ forgave us, to love others as Christ loved us. And that's that's our calling in life, and let's pray that God helps us to grow in this each day. Let me leave you leave you with this illustration. Um, in the slave market, when a master goes to buy a slave, it's usually uh, they're, they're, oh, they're, lo- they're looking for someone who is healthy, who is strong, who is good-looking, and so on, but who goes to a slave market to buy something that's useless to useless to the master. But that's what we were. We were dead in our sins. But even when we were dead in our sins, even when we were rebelling against God, Jesus brought us with his own blood, and today we are his treasured position. We are his treasure, we are his love. Um, we're going to sing a song here called Amazing Grace. And this was written by John Newton. And he was captain of a slave trading ship, but. For- he finally came to Christ and became a slave of Christ. He writes a song of amazing grace. Let's sing that song in response um, to the good news we have from Jesus.